welcome to Fred Talk, inspiration and truth from a friend. In our podcast, we teach principles of success. Our goal is to inspire leaders to unlock their full potential, live out their strengths, and achieve their God-given purpose in life. Today, I want to talk to you about the good soil principle. This principle is all about your heart and relationships. And we really need to be careful who we let influence us, because who you invest in matters most when it comes to success. So I'm going to talk to you about a principle of success that I've um, practiced for a long time. You know, you can't be successful on your own. You have to learn how to work with people and be able to discern motives. And if you don't, you can get derailed easily. Leadership is not for the faint of heart. And at times, because there are people who don't want you to succeed, which I know it may be hard for some of you to believe that, it often comes out of jealousy, people jealous of what you produce if you're successful, or complaining of not wanting to have to change, or questioning you. And if you're not careful who you listen to, it can discourage you, and it can cause you to doubt yourself and to shrink back in fear. That is not what God wants for our life. Success in life is not easy, in relationships, in work, in finances, whatever it is. And today I want to teach you a principle that can keep your heart in a good place and can guide you in the relationships that you choose. Uh, You know, Jesus had large crowds that followed him, and he was very successful at what he did. Um, He taught a lot of people. He brought a lot of healing in people's lives. He inspired people. He challenged people. So since he was a good leader, he often had critics, and most of those critics In fact, about all of them were religious, and they tried to distract him, get him off of his mission. They tried to discredit him publicly in front of other people, and eventually their goal was to take him out. The religious leaders claimed that he was often doing things out of the power of Satan, like he's off, he's not spiritual, he's not of God. And that's a claim that a lot of religious people will make if you're successful at what you do. They will often claim that you are off spiritually, you love money, or you are wrapped up in pride because of the influence you have. And I want to encourage you to always be leery of people who claim to know why someone is successful at what they do, especially if they're condemning someone spiritually for what they're doing. So Jesus was just going about his business, uh, staying busy, doing what he knew he was supposed to do. And it's so important in life to do that, to just know your purpose and why you're here. It helps you know when to ignore people and when to speak up and challenge people. So Jesus is going about his business, helping and teaching people. And some critics asked him, where do you get your authority? Now, that's a leadership question that you're going to face on a regular basis from people. (laughs) It just is. I've been in many different circles. Um, I've been a pastor. I've been a teacher. I've been a business owner. I've coached high school football, any circle that I'm in, um, there's always people that question your authority, especially when you go into a new circle of people. And especially when you hold people accountable for their actions, (laughs) that's when people really start to question your authority. Interesting, isn't it? Maybe they don't want to change. Jesus didn't waste his time trying to answer his critics. And and if I could just say one thing about relationships and people, 
It's taken me way too long to learn. I'm 53 years old. I've wasted too much time on critics. You know, these people wanted miraculous proof. You know, show me, prove to me. Never submit to people who expect proof from you. One, they're not teachable. Their heart's off. And it won't win them over when you do it. It just derails you. Gets you on the wrong focus. Your life is not to prove people. <laughs> prove to people. Your life is to just be who you know God wants you to be. And be about his principles. And let the chips where they fall, fall where they may with people that respond and don't respond. Jesus actually said when a generation wants all kinds of proof and signs, uh, they're evil and their motive is off. Well, while he was teaching, his mom and his brothers wanted to see him, but the crowd was really large in the building that he was in. And then somebody said, hey, your mom and your brothers want to see you out there. And he looked to his disciples and he pointed and he said, these are the guys that he worked with every day, his team that he had chosen. And he said, these are my family, my brothers. Anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my family, is what he said. In other words, people who listen and obey the truth and that followed his leadership. Be careful who you let influence you. <clears throat> now, this is not a knock on family, but it's the people closest to you that do often criticize you or hold you back the most. Learn to stand up for yourself and don't let people control you, even if they love you. Well, then Jesus goes on to tell this story of a farmer sowing seeds. And I love how Jesus always uses these business stories <clears throat> to teach spiritual truths about the kingdom of God. He uses everyday work life, a farmer. That's his work. That's his business. That's how he provides in a real way. And he uses everyday life work as an example to teach us principles of success that we can understand in a very practical way, not just some out there spiritual concept, but real actions that show spiritual truth and produce success in life. So Jesus taught this lesson about this farmer sowing his seeds and the four types of soil that the seed landed on determined what happened to the seed. And in the story, Jesus basically teaches that God wants to produce a harvest of righteousness. And righteousness, all that means is right living, doing the right thing, honoring God with the way you live, with people particularly. And when you do that, when you live right in the story, you produce 30, 60, 100 times what you sow into people. So how do we keep our hearts soft and grounded so we can grow the way God intended us to? Well, let me let me read this story to you real quick. And then I want to unpack the four different types of soil or people uh, in the in the story. So the story is found in Matthew chapter 13. It's also found um, in Mark and Luke uh, in three different uh, uh, gospels of the New Testament. So here's what it says. Uh, I'm going to just read verse three through nine. It says, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds, and as he scattered them across the field, some seeds fell on a path, a footpath, and the bird came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rocks, and the seeds sprouted up quickly but wilted under the hot sun. 
Since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell on thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still, other seed fell on fertile soil, or good soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much as been planted. Anyone who has ears to hear should listen and understand. So in this story, there's four different types of soil. And let's review it real quick. So the first type of soil is hard soil. These are people that don't listen. Their heart's hard. They never submit to a leader. They're always right. They don't ever understand. They're cynical, critical, and set in their ways. There's no chance with them. Waste of time. The second type of heart or soil is shallow. Rocky soil, not, not a tilled heart. Selfish, immediate gratification is the focused. Give in easily. Easily give up to sin. Doing things that aren't the best. Not last when things are hard. No discipline. No deep roots so that uh, very quickly wilt under pressure. Excited often about starting things but can't deal with problems or persecutions, especially if it has to do with character of following God's ways. Always start, never finish. Quick to say yes, but never follow through. Shallow. Then the third type of soil or heart is the thorns. These are people that chase success, but they're followers. They're not leaders. Other things become more important than doing what you know is right or following the Lord, obeying his ways. Often get focused on wanting money and fame and pleasure to satisfy. Now, just because somebody might be successful and have money and have influence and fame doesn't mean that's what they're desiring. It's usually people that want that that don't have it. <laughs> that's very instructive. I want you to you know, just realize that. If you're a person that's constantly thinking about how you can be successful and, and want other people to look up to you, then you're focused on the wrong things. Uh, that doesn't produce those things or, or success. People in this category, um, they don't focus on lasting values. The truth gets crowded out by the worries of this life and the lures of everything that they want, and they're just not very fruitful. They often get focused on get-rich-quick schemes, and um, they bail out on commitments. They get distracted over time. They look like they have promise, but never end up fully producing and always learning, but saying, making often the same mistakes and the same excuses. And they just have a hard time leading themselves. Chasing what other people do a lot. That's the thorny soil or heart. And then the last is the fertile or good soil. This soil receives the seed, so listens, and produces, takes action, is fruitful, has habits that produce things. Values-driven people, loyal, they have relational depth. They hear and listen and own things and learn and change and grow and understand. They put things into practice. They produce a harvest of right living over and over and over again in the way they deal with people and situations. And they seem to produce significantly, and they become very successful influentially with people, with their wisdom, uh, with their finances, with their relationships, uh, with their businesses, uh, with whatever they do. 
They produce 30, 60, 100 times what is sown. They, they understand the principle of sacrifice and delayed gratification. They grow themselves. They spend a lot of time developing themselves while others are just having fun or um, trying to do what everybody else does. So this is the good soil. So let me pause for a second and ask you, which are you? Not which do you want to be? We all want to be good soil. Okay, let's set that aside for a second. Which are you right now, today, in your relationships with people, the way you manage your life, the relationships, your influence, your money, your career? Which are you? Until you can learn to evaluate yourself every day like this, you can't produce and grow and be successful. And this isn't easy to look at yourself and say, you know what, I've been hard-hearted with this situation or in my marriage, I've had a hard heart on something, I've been closed off on something. It's not easy to admit that you have been shallow and you didn't have the discipline you needed and that's why you haven't been successful at what you've been doing. Or to admit that you've gotten sidetracked and you need to kind of get back on track and not just worry about what everybody else thinks, but lead yourself. It's not easy to do that, but it's a decision we have to make if we want to be successful. We have to hear, <laughs> so we need input from other people. I would encourage you to talk to some mentors in your life and ask them, what do you see in me? Do you see any thorns uh, in me? Do you see some shallow things? We need to be able to listen. Now, don't just ask anybody, because uh, you don't need everybody's opinion. Uh, ask people that you respect, that are where you want to go in life, and listen to them, and then make the changes you need to make. So first, we have to ask this question personally. Where's my heart? What kind of soil is my heart? And, if we're no, and, and let me just say this. If I'm not producing... This is, this is what I believe and I tell myself. If I'm not producing relationally in the relationships that matter most to me, my family and my team that I work with, if, I, if I'm not producing, and if I'm not producing financially well, if I'm not producing with my career well, then what's off on my heart? It's way easier to focus on trying to lead other people than to lead yourself. <laughs> But if you can just focus on leading yourself, that takes care of leading everybody else usually. So first, ask the question about your heart. And do it on a regular daily, weekly basis. Then the second thing to do is to ask, what are your friends' hearts like? Your team? The people closest to you? Evaluate that, because that's going to influence you significantly. Have these conversations with them. Probably everybody has heard before that the closest five people to you show what you will become. It's who you are. Because <clears throat> you'd never grow above the level that you put yourself under. So if you want to develop more and you want to grow more, then you have to put yourself under people that are a higher level of accountability and, and success in their life. Whoever you spend most of your time with, and I, I don't. I've trained myself not to call it spending time or money. 
I call it investing because that's what you're doing. You're investing your time. Whoever you spend most of your time investing with is what you will become. So what type of people are you around on a daily basis? And if that question causes you to say, wow, I, I need to get around some different people, um, then that's a great step to recognize that. Because that's step one in making sure that you have good soil people around you. Because <clears throat> one of the things I've learned is when I turned 50, I did a lot of evaluating about my life and about kind of the second half of my life. And I want to produce twice as much in the second half of my life. And I want to be more fruitful. And I, I want to make an influence for God in this world. And I put a stake in the ground. And when I turned 50 and that stake in the ground was that I want to finish strong. And most men don't finish strong. <clears throat> in fact, if you look, just look in the world, even if you look in the Bible, most guys don't finish strong. And Moses, David, I mean, there's just a couple quick examples uh, from the Bible. Great leaders, but didn't finish real strong. And so if that's true, that most guys don't finish strong, I'm most guys. I'm no different. So the only way I'm going to finish strong is if I'm very intentional about my life. So I put a stake in the ground that I'm going to invest in good soil people, that I'm going to be very intentional, that those are the people that I'm going to have around me and I'm going to invest my time in. I'm going to push myself. I want people in the room that are more successful and better than I am at living out a life that's God-honoring and that is um, successful at what we do. And so I made a decision. I'm not going to spend a lot of time trying to change people the second half of my life because it doesn't work anyways. I'm not going to waste my time with people that make excuses all the time. I'm going to get around people that produce, that have good soil. That's what I want to spend my time and energy with because that's what I want to be. Uh, there's a... <clears throat> principle that I've used called the 3C principle. And I, I got exposed to it about 25 years ago in leadership. And um, it's about hiring or the choice of people that you choose to be around or friends. And it's called the three C's um, of hiring or the three C's of relationships. And this story illustrates it a lot. And the, the three C's are character. That's number one. That's the first thing you look for if you're hiring somebody, if you're picking a friend or you're picking a spouse, is character because you can't teach character. Okay? It's a waste of your time and energy. Character. Make sure they have character. They do the right thing without having to be told. Can't teach it. Character. You just see it. The second C is competence. That they actually work hard and produce. Um, and uh, they, they actually... Uh, you know, understand some of their strengths. And uh, now this can always grow, uh, but you want to see some fruit. You don't want somebody to be lazy and, and not understand, um, um, you know, hard work ethic and, and uh, you know, don't have any skills. Um, you can teach people to develop some skills, but you want people that, uh, that are already showing promise and competence. And then lastly is chemistry, the last C. And this one's really important. Uh, you, you want to be around people that are a fit with your values. If you're a fast-paced person, you need to have fast-paced people around you. That's just all, that's the best way I can say it. Uh, or else you're going to get really, really frustrated. If you're a change agent, you need people that are change agents around you. Um, 
So th th that's not talking about character. Okay. Character was the first one, those values of honesty, integrity, you know, the way you treat people. I'm talking about chemistry, like your wiring. Okay. And that's important. And if you're going to get people around, if you're a fast paced person and you just get a bunch of people that are processors around you and that's all you have around you, you're just going to be frustrated. They're going to be frustrated, not going to work out good. And I'm going to teach you the leadership bell curve that helps you understand this a little bit, but I'm going to draw it out for you. Okay. And why this whole chemistry piece is really important too. So let me draw, <clears throat> this is called the leadership uh, bell curve. And it's um, just, everybody falls in different categories of, of people. So, so the leadership bell curve goes like this. So the first 2% are the innovators. Okay. These are the people that build things, start things, entrepreneurs, very small percentage of people that are really good at that. A lot of people like the idea of being entrepreneurial, uh, but they don't actually go somewhere with it. They don't, uh, it, it takes a lot of work. And um, so this isn't just idea people. This is um, uh, innovators. Okay. And usually they scare people. <laughs> um, if you spend much time around me and, 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 uh, and you're, you're not open to change and, and new things, you, you'll get freaked out because I'm always thinking of the next big thing and there are huge things that can only be accomplished if God you know, is in it. Um, so about 2% of people uh, are innovators. And then there's about another 15% of people um, that are called early adopters. Okay, So these are the people that are very quick to catch a vision from an innovator, and they are quick to not just uh, you know get excited about the vision, but actually... Um, like digest it quickly and process it and actually apply it in their life and then uh, actually see some fruit. Um, and then they want to get more and they want to be involved and they're able to help an innovator take the next steps because innovators are not practitioners. Um, they start things, they initiate things, they um, challenge things. And then the early adopters are the ones that really begin to help, help you build uh, these things. Okay. They don't get freaked out. Um, they get inspired by ideas. Okay. Um, so then the next group of people is about 35% of people are the early majority. Okay. So if you're trying to grow a business and, and uh, you want to create energy and momentum on your business, um, you, you've got to, you've got to hit the critical mass uh, piece here uh, of 50% in order to really start to multiply things. And so you don't need all these people to build it. All you need is one or two of these. That's it. You don't need a huge team. And these people, see, these people influence these people. So if you've got one of these, they're going to influence five or 10 of these people. You got a couple of these, they're going to influence dozens of people here. You are not going to be able to influence these people if you are an innovator. You're going to freak them out. Okay. <laughs> I've done it many, many times and I've, I've learned my lesson. But once you get this, then you start to have some momentum and some, um, energy everybody's hearing about it and then the next 35 percent jump on and those are the late majority okay so these are the people that they um uh, they jump on after everybody else is doing oh i don't want to miss the boat okay type of people uh they will not be your leaders okay don't don't sink yourself into spending a ton of time with these people because they they won't last okay they'll jump to the next thing over and over again all right um, these people will be good workers, but they will never be your um, leaders that start a new initiative of something. These are the people that are going to do that for you. Okay, then your last group that you have is about about sixteen percent, um, and these are called the laggards. Okay, the laggards, and actually, it's really fourteen percent, and two percent of them are uh, the 
the ones that will never get on board. Okay, so the, these are the ones that are going to try to take you out, the detractors. Okay, but this last group, uh, they, uh, they they never get on board. They're always the one that is criticizing everything and always has a reason why it's not going to work and and um, always question it, even though, oh, this is also successful, but it's all for the wrong reasons. And all, they're always uh, saying those things. And don't ever spend your energy here, okay? Don't ever, ever spend your energy with these people. It will discourage you, okay? Jesus didn't spend time with them. I'm going to illustrate that to you in a minute here, okay? These people will never help you grow anything. They'll never help you feel confident in yourself. Now, you may learn some good lessons uh, of uh, how people think and, and um, uh, that challenge you and help you get better at uh, leading people, but you're not going to build it with these. So if you look at these groups of people, you can see some of the soil, right? So this first group here, these are producers. These people produce a ton, okay, their soil. These people, when they're around these people, they produce. When they're not led, um, they can get distracted sometimes with the thorns. These people are the shallow ones. They never follow through. They, they always jump on, you know, don't want to miss out, but never keep going on something. And then these are the hard-hearted um, people, okay? So this is the leadership bell curve. You can you can Google leadership bell curve and you'll see this um, all, all over the place. Um, it's, um, it's a principle that leaders use all the time, okay? And this is not a biblical principle, quote unquote, this drawing of the leadership principle, but do you see how it fits biblical principles of leadership and um, and relationships? Very simple to be able to see that, okay? So there's another, um, <clears throat> there's another rule that I talk about quite a bit uh, when it comes to effectiveness in your life. It's the 80-20 rule. You may have heard of it called the Pareto rule. It basically says that 80% of what you do produces 20% of your results. So that means the reverse is true too. 20% of what you do produces 80% of your results. So here's how I've broken that rule down, okay? The 80-20 rule, okay? Here's the 80% of people, okay? Don't spend your time with the 80%, the 20%. Invest your time right here. If you've got 40 hours a week, man, spend over half of it, 75% of it right here. With these people, you produce the most results. Okay, uh, I, I use a phrase often, um, and I think Jesus illustrated this: influence many, okay, or touch many. Invest in a few, okay. Influence many. I mean, have you know? Connect with lots of people. Go out and you you, you got. If you're going to build something, you're going to influence the world. You got to connect with lots of different people. You never know where people are at. Uh, you know, in their hearts. And so don't you know? You don't prejudge. So you, you put it out there, but then you watch how they respond. You respond to watch their actions, and then you invest in the ones that respond, that show the good soils, that show fruit. Okay. So touch many people but invest in a few and spend most of your time. So if, if you were to look at my um, my phone or my calendar, I have on it, it comes up every day. Um, I, here's the way I've broken down the 80-20 rule. Who are the two people and the two things I need to do today? That's, that's all I try to focus on. And if that's all I get done, that's okay because that's going to produce 80% of my results. The other eight 
people I, I have to interact with or the other eight things I have to do or 80 things, that, you know, um, I'm not going to worry or feel bad if I don't get to it. Um, so who are the two people and the two things that you need to invest in? So, like I said, Jesus, he influenced so many people, touched so many lives, thousands, but he invested in just a few. He was very intentional with who he spent his time with. He focused on those who are responsive. What they did, not what they said they were. The religious leaders talked about how religious they were all the time. He didn't look at religion or non-religion. He looked at people's hearts, which is shown by their actions. So let me ask you, who do you spend most of your time with? Who do you invest yourself in? Cause and effect, it's going to produce. There's no way around it. Jesus spent his time with his disciples. He chose 12. They were open. They were responsive to his leadership. They sometimes did things they didn't understand, but he told them to do it. They were loyal. They grew. They made mistakes, but they owned things. And they all ended up becoming martyrs for their faith. They all ended up being all in for Jesus, except for Judas. Who did Jesus not spend a lot of time with? And who did he call on the carpet the most? The Pharisees, the religious leaders that used God's word for their own gain and took advantage of people. They were prideful and showy. They were in and out of his life, in and out, but they were not the centerpiece of his life. Critics are going to be in and out of your life, okay? Don't make them the centerpiece of your mind or don't make them be a part of your team. <laughs> Big mistake. The other two groups of people in, so, so if you look at this four types of soil, the disciples were the good soil. The Pharisees were the hard soil, hard hearts. The other two groups that were shallow and that were kind of get distracted with the thorns, um, they were the groups of people that came to listen to him all the time, the crowds, the thousands of people when he would teach. And lots of shallow people were excited, but they didn't stick around. There were also lots of people who got choked out by thorns. Um, they were followers, but whenever things got challenging, you know, they they kind of moved on. Uh, and so this isn't about acting, you know, spiritual or religious. This is about what you do. Okay. Spirituality is very practical in God's eyes. Um so now you never know who's going to respond. You never know who's going to be good soil. I mean, somebody may have been just um, really hard-hearted for a long time, and um, maybe something's happened in their life where they're just open to change. Or maybe somebody has gotten tired of uh, kind of the shallow relationships and the shallow, um, you know, not, not really following through on things in their life, and maybe they really um, have seen it. And they truly want to make a change. Well, you'll see that by their actions. Um, or maybe somebody that's gotten distracted. Um, maybe they get back really clear on their vision uh, of what they should be about in their life. And so you never know how people are going to respond. So you don't limit your reach of your audience or your connections with people. Um, but you do learn how to filter who you invest in by their responses. Okay. You watch what people do. Invest in people who are open, obedient, and produce and grow. Jesus 
focused on people where there was a return on that investment of time. Now, in that story that Jesus told later on after the teaching, um, Jesus explained to his disciples, kind of his inner circle, how most people hear things, but they don't listen. They don't really listen. They see things, but they don't really understand truth, and their hearts are not obedient or surrendered to, to what's going to bring success in their life. Um, actions show your heart. Jesus taught this all the time. Um, <clears throat> a good tree produces good fruit, bad tree, bad fruit. He, he was just very clear on this. So I want you to listen to Jesus's explanation of the parable of the sower and how it relates to the four types of hearts that people have and watch what people do uh, because it shows our heart um, because it, it, what's inside flows out. So listen to, let me just read um, Jesus's explanation of the parable of the sower. So it's in verse 18 through 23. It says, now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom, God's kingdom, the truth, who God is, don't understand it. And then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed in the heart that was planted in their heart. Then the seed on the rocky soil or shallow, represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word, the truth. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, and so no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on the good soil represents those who truly hear, truly hear, and understand God's word. And put it into practice is the key and produce a harvest of 30, 60, and 100 times that which was planted. So the hard-hearted hearts were the Pharisees. They didn't understand the meaning of God's ways, the religious people. They were quick to tell you you're wrong, condemning you if you're not religious. Think that it's a waste of time. Think that you're weak. Um, they use people. They spin the truth to fit what they want to do. They're condescending. They make you feel bad. They're demeaning. They question character. They deceive. They're big on justice. They're big on revenge. They're cynical. They're skeptical. And they're not trusting of people. So if you know people like that, don't listen to them. I don't care if they're religious or not. That's not of God. A heart like that. The shallow people. Examples of the shallow people was Caesar. He was in the world, he was a leader, and he followed the crowd. Instead of standing up for Jesus, which he could t tell that Jesus was different and Jesus was, uh, had the truth, uh, he caved. These people blame other people. They're wishy-washy. They play the crowd. They're fair-weather fans. They complain. They're victims. They never own their faults. They mismanage money and relationships consistently, and they sweep stuff under the carpet or leave. Don't spend or invest your time in people that are shallow. Don't be a shallow person. Don't make excuses. Don't blame. Don't not own things. Then the third is the thorny soil or distracted. Judas would be an example of that. Judas was the disciple that didn't follow through. He was with Jesus for quite a long time. Sometimes you'll have people with you for a while and you think, boy, they're going to stay with me and growing and building this business, but they don't, or relationships. <clears throat> They often talk religious. They do what makes them look good. They need to be seen as important. They don't have mentors in their life, though. That's a big indicator. 
look and see if they have people that are speaking into them that are further ahead of them, challenging them. They want God and the world. They try to tip God with their money rather than tithing their finances, giving him their best, their first 10% or more. They say their time is their volunteering versus their tithe. They, they make rationalizations of why, well, my, my time is more important. But that's not the way Jesus said. You, he wants everything, your time, your money, everything to be uh, devoted to him. These people live above their means and they live in a lot of debt. Thorny people. And then the good soil people, their disciples, the disciples of Jesus. They submit to mentors. They submit to leaders. <clears throat> they back up their words with actions, even if it hurts. They're joyful. They're faith-oriented. They're positive. They're grounded. They take responsibility things for things when they make mistakes, even if it's not their fault. They stick to their values. They give generously above their tithe. They manage their money well and their relationships. They have a different spirit about them. You know, one of the goals that I pray about daily is that I want to be, this is the way I say it, I want to be a 100-fold kind of guy, 100 times what I invest. I, I want the most. I want God to do everything he wants to do in my life. There's, and I think everybody should desire to be all that God made him to be. God has greatness in all of us. And when we submit it to him, and we live out his values, he gets seen in that greatness. When you watch a great athlete, you watch a great musician, you watch a great leader, it inspires you, and that's giving you a picture of God's greatness. I want God to do more than I could ever imagine with the seeds that I sow every day. And I'm believing God for greatness because I'm submitting to him and trusting him every day. I'm not perfect, but I'm surrounding myself with people who are doing the same thing. It's easy to see when God is at work in someone's heart, because things happen that shouldn't happen all the time. They produce in everything they do. And there's a spirit of growth and strength around people that are submitted. People's lives are transformed by good soil people every day by what they do. They choose to be great. And they, so choose to be great. Invest your time in people who are doing what it takes to become great. The good soil principle is gonna determine the success of your life. Where your heart is and the people that you choose to invest your time in. So choose wisely and become all that God made you to be. Hey, remember my name's Fred and I'm your friend. And live out your best. God bless you, love you.